and welcome to Pints and Politics. Pints and Politics is a bi-weekly discussion program of all things political. My name is Bill Templeman. Joining me tonight in the studio is our guest panel on the CBC as an election issue and Canadian broadcasting. We have social justice activist Dennis Howlett, retired technologist and political junkie Dara Kennedy, and author, playwright, and script writer Mark Finnan. Welcome all. Thank you for having us. Uh, So good to come by. Uh, So before we start, I should define our terms. By using the the phrase CBC, I'm referring to all the programming that the corporation does on radio, television, and all the online offerings. I should also confess that I don't watch TV, so my consumption of CBC productions is mostly radio and increasingly online. However, we'll get to the CBC in a moment. For starters, I'd like to know, what does your group do? What are your intentions for action? What would you like to see happen during this federal election campaign? Well, we're actually concerned about uh, not just the CBC, but Canadian broadcasting in general. And we're particularly concerned about uh, the devastating impact that uh, foreign uh, big tech uh, media companies such as Google, Netflix, and uh, Facebook are having on Canadian media. We've lost 50% of our jobs in the Canadian media already. And that means not only lost jobs, but for consumers, much reduced Canadian content on our airwaves and a lot less choice for what we can listen to. Okay, uh, what about the election campaign itself? What would you collect or what would your group like to see happen in terms of discussion? Dara? Yes, we are hoping to create a big splash here in Peterborough, Kawartha. Apparently the thought is that this particular riding is in play. Um, very variable what the out, uh, the, uh, um, the results in Peterborough might be. So we're trying to make the CBC and other Canadian broadcasting issues in this campaign. We expect some of the leaders to be coming for riding, and we're hoping that they will notice that the protecting the CBC and other Canadian broadcasting outfits is very important to the people here and is something that they should be taking up in their campaigns. Great. Thank you. Well, since the campaign is called We Choose CBC, our efforts are, are really uh, primarily geared towards informing the public, not just here in Peterborough, but actually nationwide, but we're focusing here on Peterborough, where we live, on the fact that uh, CBC, um, as a broadcaster, is in, is in peril both financially and creatively for many people. And so throughout the campaign and during the election, of course, uh, these subjects will be brought brought up. And uh, we hope that uh, by the end of it, uh, Canadians will be better informed about the importance of maintaining and increasing the um, uh, support for CBC. Great. Thank you. Now, to get in 
I have some questions about the CBC, but of course, feel free to expand uh, where applicable to other other uh, broadcasters, other media. Uh, now, a good friend of mine is a sometimes conservative voter, and on on our many canoe trips over the years, we have traded rants about the CBC, uh, mainly radio. Uh, he claims, and I have to agree with him, that many of the programs and hosts tilt left politically and that this bias colors the CBC's coverage of news events. Now, while I agree with my friend's accusations in terms of radio news coverage, the CBC, in my opinion, is still the best uh, option available. I should, in the spirit of full disclosure, confess that this bias aligns with my own politics quite closely. Uh, However, uh, nonetheless, how do you respond to this issue of political bias within the CBC? I think one of the things that you'll find out lately is that the entire political spectrum, uh, to a certain extent here, but especially in the United States, has tilted quite a bit to the right. So I don't think that the CBC has changed that much over the years. I just think that they are perceived to have because of the changes in our politics. Interesting. Yes, Dennis. Well, we also need a balance. And in fact, if you look at the overall a landscape of Canadian media, 80% of it tilts uh, right. And so having some public broadcasting and uh, broadcasting that is not, you know, controlled by uh, big money interests helps ensure that all uh, perspectives uh, have uh, a chance to get heard. So, in fact, if we didn't have the CBC, we would have a complete domination by the right wing of our airwaves. And uh, people like you and me wouldn't have a chance to hear much of of, uh, the content that we would uh, enjoy. And I would add that the, well, in my view, the majority of Canadians are slightly left of center uh, so that, you know, where is the bias? Good point. And, and, you know, on social media, I often see these postings where uh, people of uh, a very different political persuasion from uh, my own will will rant on about damn left-wing media. And I have to say, who are they talking about? I mean, I get it for the CBC, but uh, they condemn uh, the major newspapers. I mean, we have the National Post, we have the Toronto Sun. I mean, these are left-wing organs. I, I, I don't get that. Yeah, I just want to qualify something I just said. When I say left or center, I mean more socially conscious. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Now, uh, further to this issue of bias, uh, my conservative friend makes the point that while the bias may be inevitable, uh, taxpayers should not have to support this bias by paying for the CBC services. I counter that uh, with the, the notion that can, uh, for Canadians, the CBC is still a bargain as a public broadcaster. Citizens of other countries have to pay a lot more for their public broadcasters. But is this in fact true? Well, we only pay uh, $35, I think, max uh, per person for an incredible service. And you know, if, if we were all to just stop for a moment and think, if there was no, you know, $35, you know, per person. I mean, it's pittance, really, for the kind of service that the C, regardless of your, your political orientation, but for the, the services that the CBC provide, both on TV and on radio, um, um, you know, over a spectrum 
of, of outlets, uh, and especially in outlying areas, $34. And I think it, 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 um, it calls on our conscience as citizens, regardless of our political orientation, to consider uh, how this service is serving the entire country for merely $34 or $35 for each person. Other critics say that now we're we're living in a 500-channel universe, why should we subsidize, uh, subsidize yet another broadcasting channel? How do you respond to that? Well, the subsidy that the government is providing is mostly to the foreign digital giants. CBC gets a pittance compared with about uh, $3 billion a year is going effectively to uh, Facebook, uh, Google, and uh, Netflix – uh, because the Canadian government doesn't collect any taxes from these uh, foreign digital giants, and they don't have to charge any GST on the advertising uh, they sell, whereas Canadian companies have to pay GST. Canadian companies have to pay uh, corporate taxes. Canadian companies have to contribute to Canadian content uh, requirements. So it's complete unfair playing field here. And really the biggest subsidy government is giving is to these foreign digital giants. By not charging taxes, uh, GST, HST, etc. That's right. And the oh. other big problem is that um, there is a law that says Canadian companies can't get tax credits for the advertising they place on foreign publications like the New York Times, right? but they've exempted advertising on the digital uh, platforms. And so they can't get the tax credit for advertising on digital uh, platforms, and increasingly that's where ad dollars are going. And so again, it's a huge unfair subsidy to uh, – to these foreign companies, and they don't provide any content. They don't employ any Canadian journalists. They don't right. ensure that we hear from other Canadians about Canadian perspectives on world issues or right. or uh, political issues. Uh, and this was emphasized by very recently by the Writers Guild of Canada, which um, which showed how how much Canadian content has been reduced. Uh, by uh, both the CBC and the commercial broadcasters over the last number of years. And uh, in the words of one commentator, it is quite drastic. So that it means that um, Canadian broadcast journalists, writers, uh, producers, people involved in television production, film production, um, have less of an opportunity, are having less and less of an opportunity to have their stories and to be in, in control of, uh, their particular product, uh, and getting it broadcast to the nation as a whole. And now, uh, as Dennis just mentioned, uh, in an unfair financial situation, uh, because of the, uh, influx of programs from these, uh, huge entities, uh, it's going to be harder and harder as I see it for Canadian content 
and good Canadian content, uh, both in the cultural sector and the entertainment sector, to uh, get broadcast. Okay. Um, another question that uh, has come up uh, between my, uh, my conservative friend and myself is, what does the CBC deliver that private sector, private sector broadcasters cannot deliver? Dennis. Well, what CBC delivers is, first of all, uh, strong local uh, news and uh, information. They ensure that uh, there is programming about the North, for example, which private broadcasters don't right. provide. They provide uh, information about um, indigenous issues that right. private broadcasters don't provide. And uh, you do get quite a wide variety of different kinds of content, um, whereas the private broadcasters tend to be much more focused on broadly popular uh, kind of content that would generate the most uh, advertising revenue. And so it uh, really reduces the variety that, uh, you know, you end up with. So CBC does really provide... um, a lot for the money that we, <laughs> the $35 a year, a year. That yeah, is. Yeah. It's, it's not just a month, that's a year. Okay, Tara. And I agree with what Dennis is saying. $35 a year is not very much. For instance, if you want to get behind the paywall of even the Toronto Star, you're looking at a dollar a week, which is $52 a year. Now, the other thing that the CBC does much better than any place else, in my opinion, in the uh, private sector certainly doesn't do this, is that they dig deeply. The private sector's information is a mile wide, but an inch thick. And if you really want to know what's going on, you do have to find something on the CBC that will explain the situation to you. Right, right. I I agree totally with what uh, Dennis and Dara have just said. And uh, because you get quality, in-depth journalism, um, you get well-researched historical uh, programming when they do it. And also you get follow-up. You get, um, there's a, you know, you're not just getting uh, a, a just a 30-second slice uh, of some news item, but you actually do get some follow-up because they have the people interested in doing it and the resources to do it. But that being said, there is a problem with the reduced funding that the CBC has has resulted in a lot more repeats of programs. Yes. And so they're filling the airwaves with repeats that they can't afford to, you know, generate uh, the kind of um, amount of programming that they used to. And so we are losing out uh, something as a result of the decreased government support. We're also losing audiences because of that. You know, who wants to keep hearing repeat programming? But it's, it's, it, the problem with the CBC is not only the reduction in government funding, although it went up a little bit under the recent uh, liberal government, but not enough to make up for the big cuts from the Harper government previously. But the, it's a double whammy for CBC because their advertising revenue is being hit by the unfair competition with the foreign uh, digital giants. So, CBC does rely still a lot on uh, advertising revenue, especially for television, and they're losing a lot of that revenue as well. So it's a double whammy, and we do see it in uh, the reduction of, you know, some of the quality and mostly the 
the number of, of uh, original content that they provide. Right now, as consumers, for the three of you, uh, I spoke a bit about, I guess I'm a, my radio would be 70% and online is probably 30%. How would you rate yourselves in terms of the three categories, radio, TV, and online? I look at the news online every day on the CBC website, and secondly, the radio is pretty important, certainly on in the car almost all the time. My partner and I, actually, it was one of the things we found we had in common when we first met is that we were both big CBC listeners. <laughs> and there are certain shows on the television that we don't like to miss either. It's great when they tell Canadian stories. Murdoch Mysteries, for instance, is a favorite. Others? Um, I I still get some print uh Newspapers like the Peterborough Examiner and the right. Globe and Mail, because I kind of still like the old fashioned being able to read yes, the newspaper yes, yes. with a cup of coffee in the yeah. morning. Uh, however, I do uh, rely a lot on the CBC News website, which I think is one of the best, and it has one of the highest users rating of any news site in Canada. Okay. So it is highly uh, respected, and and people do trust it. For providing good content. Oh, yeah, for me, it's definitely CBC Radio. Um, uh, some CBC Television programming when I get a chance to watch it, but also, um, as just mentioned, also the um, um, digital product as well, because I think it is, uh, you know, it's essential. It's it's very accessible and uh, up to the minute. So. Okay, well, thank you. I uh, to prepare for uh, this uh, this project here, this interview. I uh, spent some time uh, researching opinion online, and so I typed into Google phrases like "What's wrong with the CBC? How could the CBC be better, etc.?" and found a number of resources. So I'm looking at an article by Nick Fillmore, and I should let uh, should give you introduction introduction in his own words. I was lucky to have worked at the CBC for more than 25 years. I held several positions, including Canadian editor of the National, worked as an investigative journalist, as a radio documentary producer, and as an editor with the National Radio News. So this is someone with um, substantial experience on the radio side of the business. But uh, Fillmore has some strong... I should also mention this is an article from the Canada Land uh, Show uh, website, uh, August. Uh, of 2017. So he goes on to say, today CBC Radio is more important than ever, with newspapers failing to do their job and cutbacks. Journalism in Canada is in crisis. Media organizations are 
failing to provide communities with news and analysis that is necessary for democracy to function properly. As always, I've listened to uh, Radio 1 uh, in the summer, um, for example, my favorite programs, which include The Current, As It Happens, Sunday Edition, and the ideas are all and ideas are all doing a good job. However, and here's uh, here's this criticism. I'm puzzled and dismayed by many of the newer shows uh, airing right now. A couple of them, The Doc Project, Now or Never, provide some interesting stories, but many others um, are not the kind of shows that should be so prominent on the CBC. Uh, instead, they dwell on sad stories or difficult times, people rambling about their feelings, and talk of human connections. Here's a sampling. Then he lists his unfavorite shows, which include Love Me, uh, Out in the Open, uh, Sleepover, <laughs> Seat at the Table, Road Trip Rodeo, and this and that. Uh, now, he, he then says, I'm not surprised that many f- of my friends have abandoned CBC Radio. From what I can tell... Traditional uh, listeners are leaving in droves. Now, this is opinion, I should mention. um, Fillmore goes on to say, With the CBC strapped for resources, Radio 1 is sinking a whack of cash into these shows, which instead could be used to add programs that explore major thematic issues week after week. Uh, This sentence jumped out at me. It's practically criminal that CBC Radio does not have a program on the climate change crisis. So how do we respond to Phil Moore's charges here? Well, our, 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 some, by the way, some of those programs are, are no longer yeah, here. True. It's two years old. So uh, they, they, you know, they kind of flared and died. But, um, yeah, well, I think part of the problem, the background problems of that, in my view, uh, well, I agree with him on many of his points, is that, you know, the CBC has been uh, running after a, uh, a more youthful audience, and therefore they have been tending and still continue continue to do this, and according to the new three-year plan that I heard Catherine Tate, the new head of CBC, refer to recently, that they're either, either going, they are going to pursue uh, this even further, that is to attract a more youthful audience, because they feel that um, they're losing out in that, in that that demographic. But in order to do that, of course, what they end up doing, and as he makes the point uh, very clearly there, is they're, they're going to produce, they have been and will continue to produce programs that um, take a lot of people off that really don't have any depth, that are kind of very, very superficial, I think, for a lot of people. And th- that's th- the danger now is that we're going to, uh, on the digital, digital platforms and on TV, we're going to go either further down that hole. Now, uh, because we're uh, on radio and in podcast, of course you can't see, but as my eye travels around this studio, I think, all of us remember the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, right? <laughs> Do some of us remember Elvis on Ed Sullivan? So, oh, so we're of that age, uh, that, that age bracket. Uh, well, let me just spit it out. Is CBC, uh, let me break it down. First of all, CBC Radio, and then we'll talk about TV in a moment. Uh, is CBC Radio in danger of becoming a, uh, uh an older person's <laughs> Network and just losing uh, the under forties. 
I, I don't think so. I think, you know, in terms of uh, youth programming or, or a more, uh, getting a more youthful audience, let's say people in the, in the thirties or even the forties, you know, which is the new, 20s maybe these days anyway well, well in peterborough if you're under 40 you're a youth <laughs> oh really okay so the question is the type of programming you know it's not it's not the particular ages of the audience but the, the kind of programming that somebody in the cbc some producer somewhere in, in in the corridors of the cbc decides this is the kind of programming that we should be doing for these people well i think it's an insult some of the programming is an insult to uh i mean many people that i know in that demographic um, you know, who really needs something of more substance than the kind of um, stuff they've been churning out. So that's my view on that. Now, uh, I've got another article here, this one by John Doyle, who's the TV critic for the Globe and Mail. And uh, he uh, now this one is uh, update uh, was originally written a few years uh, in 2014, then updated 2018. So relatively recently. And he he the title is we're asking the wrong question about the CBC. Uh, and he starts off with uh, another provocative question. Who wants to talk about the post-hockey CBC? For people who don't realize, of course, uh, CBC used to be the sole carrier of NHL hockey. And now it's gradually transitioning out of that. My understanding is in a few years, we won't be getting hockey on the CBC. Is that correct? Am I? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Uh, so Doyle has... Um, some observations here. He says the, the arguments get, it sounds like our trip here, the arguments are in a repetitive loop. Defenders, defenders of the CBC praise the role, praise its role covering Canadian events and telling Canadian stories. Opponents sneer at the hundreds of millions of dollars in public support the CBC receives. And then in brackets he says they can no longer bray about the catchy billion dollar subsidy because the Conservative government cuts have taken the figure well below one billion. Accusations of left-wing bias will be shouted. More accusations about overstaffing and overpayment to staff will be thrown around. It's all beside the point. Then he goes on to say, fact is, the CBC is, is ever more relevant in the Canadian broadcasting landscape. A landscape that the CBC has allowed to come into existence a landscape in which only three main commercial players exist, Bell, Shaw, and Rogers. These three look increasingly arrogant, reeking of hubris, and each is, in its own way, a narcissistic bubble. Each owns multiple outlets, and each looks on the competition, other media, and public with scorn. Commercial broadcasting in Canada is protected to the point of being coddled by regulation, and this has created a mood of self-satisfaction which makes the CBC's alleged sense of entitlement look puny. What's our reaction to that? This is Dennis. Um, Well, I think there is a pretty limited uh, Canadian broadcasting landscape and it's true 
if we didn't have the CBC, it would be skewered in a very problematic way. And the CBC helps to balance things out a bit. Uh, but nevertheless, we are in danger of losing all of it, not just the CBC. We're in danger of losing CBC if the Conservatives win the next election. They could institute further cuts. But if they don't reverse these tax preferences that the global giants get, we will lose all of it. I mean, Rogers is trying to compete. Uh, some of the Canadian broadcasters, Shaw and others, are trying to compete with the uh, Netflix by providing their own um, digital platforms. But they have to charge HST, GST when they sell subscriptions. Netflix doesn't. And so they've got right there a huge advantage. Uh, Rogers and other Cana- uh, Canadian private broadcasters have to pay uh, corporate taxes on their income. Netflix doesn't pay a cent to the Canadian government, and yet they are de facto the largest broadcaster in Canada. Over 50% of Canadian households subscribe to Netflix. We get more of our content that way, and very little Canadian content is available on Netflix. So I think Doyle is still, you know, he has to step back a step and look at the broader global picture and realize that all of Canadian broadcasting is in peril. And whatever our preference is, whether we like the stuff we can get from, you know, some CTV or global or wherever else, sure. um, all of that is in danger of of being reduced in scope and the quality is going to go down because they won't have the advertising revenue necessary to pay for uh, better uh, programming. Interesting. Okay, Doyle goes on uh, to say, on the subject of cheap, uh, I'd assert here that Rogers may have vastly overpaid for the uh, for the NHL hockey rights. Uh, now, this is bad news. Hockey is going to uh, not be cheap to watch in Canada in the years to come. You, the consumer, will pay more and more to access the NHL games you want. Uh, and that's the only way the cost of the deal can be recouped. Mm-hmm. This brings us back to a post-hockey CBC TV. This digital age has made us stupid about many things, and the CBC's role in the future has to be smart, to make smart TV in particular. And by smart, I don't mean earnest. In the debate about the CBC's future, some specific strategies have gained some attention, and most of them involve, as usual, turning CBC TV into a PBS of the North. That's the public broadcasting system in the U.S. News, and this would consist of news, nature documentaries, educational discourse, and asking the public for donation dollars. Mm. He goes on. A good deal of this approach is captured in Barry uh, Keffel's recent strategy for the CBC. Keffel, a former research director for CBC, now runs the company Canadian Media Research, Inc. His 15-point plan for CBC future is something that should fill those who care with dread. Among the suggestions is... Replace commercials on CBC News Network with regular requests for viewer donations, making it clear the voluntary contributions are to replace ads and make programming approve, uh, improvements that the parliamentary grant doesn't permit. 
He goes on to say, and in terms of programming, he suggests double the amount of drama on the main TV network and drama series should draw upon great Canadian fiction. Davies, Finley, Margaret Atwood, etc. Then he winds up with, these are unworkable. A news service constantly calling out for donations at the mercy of all manner of forces that simply don't like what is being reported. And the idea that iconic novels can be turned into compelling TV is, frankly, ludicrous. Well, of course, Margaret Latwood has proved him wrong on that one. With her, her novel, it was a Netflix. Uh, well, Handmaiden's Tale. Handmaiden's Tale, yeah, which was compelling, is compelling viewing and, you know, is, is highly rated. So, uh, I certainly would beg to differ with him on that score. But the PBS model in the States, which I always watch when I go there, um, we have to bear in mind that also PBS receives quite a substantial amount of his money, uh, perhaps most of its money, from various trusts, which we don't have here in Canada. But I'm not suggesting that CBC should go that route. Maybe it's something that they could explore with to some degree um, and, and see, you know, have a trial basis and see what happens. But that's a dangerous uh, kind of detour to take maybe. But I, I really uh, am of the uh, opinion that what definitely has got to be pursued by the new management of CBC is additional funding from the government, which is not the government subsidizing CBC. It's us as Canadian citizens paying for a service that provides us with the kind of programming that, in my view, is going to become more and more important as we are going through these times of political upheaval, uh, climate change, you know, social discontent, and so forth. We need to have a very, very informative and uh, compelling uh, means of getting information to Canadians at large, and I think CBC, since it's there, uh, is uh, the one to do that. But it, it really does need more funding. Okay, thank you, Tara. Um, I think the previous comment commenter that you brought up said that the CBC and Marcus said this as well is trying to attract younger viewers, and I think that they could do that by. Having a show, like the gentleman said, that was about climate change, for example, they need to have in-depth shows about things that millennials are interested in. And they are very interested in climate change because that is their future. They are also very interested in housing strategy and the problems that they have finding housing all over this country, especially in the large cities. And I think they would very much welcome finding out what all the ins and outs are of various governments' housing strategies and, of course, the private sector's housing strategies strategies as well. And those sorts of topics would probably bring the millennials back to the CBC. Right. Dennis. One thing we need to remember is that currently, Facebook is the number one Canada source of news. Really? Facebook is not uh, bound by any uh, restrictions about, you know, ensuring the, the uh, validity of their news the truth. I mean, there, it's all over the place. The fake news that Facebook has been um, promoting. Facebook doesn't pay a single journalist. They just use the fact that people post things from other news sources and that disseminates news. But they get the advertising dollars. If you, 
the more and more, if you're a Facebook user, you will know notice that more and more of the content you see is not from your friends. It's advertising content that Facebook sells, and they target you know, knowing what kinds of uh, websites you visit and what kinds of uh, topics you open up. And so they are becoming our main news source. And that is a huge threat to democracy and a huge threat to truth because there is, you know, they have, they have no, take no responsibility for the content that they provide and they employ no one, uh, doing that work in Canada. Right, Dara. Yeah, I agree totally with what Dennis is saying, that uh, one of the problems that we face with Facebook is the actual trolls that get on there and that up-promote certain news stories. There's no one on Facebook checking out the content in real time, and things get spread around that are patently false. Yes, um... Oh, I'm afraid I'm showing my ancient, uh, just an observation, uh, is that uh, I've enjoyed over the years, uh, you know, posting uh, both reading comments, posting, uh, reading opinion pieces, because I know that at least an editor has looked at whatever has been submitted. Whereas uh, what you're saying, Dara, when you see something on Facebook, no editor has seen that. It's just from the fevered mind of whoever. Mark. Well, just uh, to mention that, according to a recent interview with Catherine Tate, um, a new head of CBC, uh, on the CBC recently, she did mention that they uh, are will be using algorithms in terms of their more extensive programming or experimental programming uh, to see that they can, if they can sort of tailor. Uh, how best to tailor certain kinds of programming to certain kinds of audiences. So in order for that kind of tailored programming to work, they have to use, will have to use algorithms. Now it's not as, as, as dangerous as, you know, what has just been mentioned in terms of Facebook, but, uh, they're not overlooking that, uh, using that sort of process. Um, Catherine, uh, Tate also mentioned uh, in that interview, uh, that, uh, they're, they're really looking at increasing advertising revenue, uh, to enable them to do uh, the kind of programming that they can't do or won't do, uh, with the, the resources, the financial resources they have. Now, th- the problem with that is, in my view, that uh, advertisers, you know, uh, want to get, uh, you know, their bang for their buck. So they will want to advertise on programs that they know are going to get the widest possible audience, which means that the danger in that sort of process is that the tail starts to wag the dog. And in other words, the advertising dollar uh, determines the kind of program that gets written acted in, produced, or pursued. And so there's a, a real danger in uh, further pursuit of uh, the advertising dollar on CBC from that perspective. And 
the donations model, uh, I, I, whenever I'm uh, driving uh, through Toronto or in Toronto, I try to tune in Jazz FM 91.1 because I'm a great jazz fan. And uh, unfortunately, when I do hit them, and it's mostly on a weekend, uh, I tune them in, you can... Barely pick them up here in Peterborough. It's quite fuzzy. But uh, as soon as you get down to 115, you can get 91.1 FM uh, from Toronto. Great jazz. But they raise money by listener donations. And when it's a donations weekend, which seems one out of every three or four weekends, it's uh, they'll play some jazz, but then you have about five minutes of people telling you why it's a good thing to donate. Now... Jazz FM 91.1, wonderful station, really enjoy their music, but the listening experience on a donations weekend ain't great, and I would hate to see the CBC have to do that. CBC doesn't have a chance of uh, being able to grow its advertising dollar income as long as the government allows an unfair playing field. So... Advertising is shifting majorly towards online advertising and away from uh, print journalism like newspapers and uh, broadcast. So now some of the Canadian uh, newspapers have online um, platforms and they, you know, sell ads for their online platforms. And uh, CBC also has an excellent website. Uh, I don't know how much ad revenue they get from their website, but they are not going to be able to compete uh, with those digital uh, competitors to the foreign giants if they are forced to charge GST and HST where their uh, competitors don't have to charge it at all. So it's totally unfair. So they really are going to have... A, they're dreaming if they think they can increase their advertising revenue without tackling this fundamental unfairness in uh, the fact that the foreign giants can um, get away without paying any taxes. And they don't pay any taxes in the United States either. They don't pay any taxes anywhere because right. they are officially registered in Ireland or in some other tax haven yes. where they have hardly any taxes. So. Now, mind you, globally, the OECD has just agreed a whole lot of countries and the G20 are going to discuss it uh, in next week, the finance minister's meeting. They have come up with a proposal to change that. And other countries like Japan, you, um, France, a uh, number of countries have imposed uh, taxes on digital uh, okay. digital sales. Canada lags way behind. So we have to get with it and modernize our tax policies and level the playing field or else Canadian media hasn't got a hope in hell of surviving. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely essential what Dennis is saying that, that this happens. And hopefully our our campaign will um, not only inform more people about the, the uh, imbalance in the whole financial system because of this, but get people more engaged and into some sort of political action because uh, it has to happen. Um, otherwise, we're really sunk. But according to uh, Barb Williams, who is the newly appointed head of English programming on CBC, that they're, they're backing – the horses they're backing are shows like um, Battle of the Blades, uh, Family Feud, 
and th- this kind of um, uh, can be very engaging, you know, if you're a certain kind of viewer and you 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 get off on seeing, you know, a um, hockey player and, and a uh, an ice skater um, twirling around on the ice and, you know, everybody is cheering for their favorite dancer yeah. or hockey player or in Family Feud, which I know very, very little about. But you, get, I get the gist of it that it's, you know, com- uh, sort of having families from one side of the country compete with a family on the other side. And uh, according to Barb Williams, this will help Canadians know each other better. Oh, dear. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, this is the kind of superficial part. But it's likely to attract additional advertising dollars. <laughs> so right. You, you get the idea. Right. Now, I, I made the observation earlier and I, uh, about the dollars per citizen we pay to support the CBC compared to other countries. And I should have uh, taken a screenshot of the chart I saw a few days ago. But my memory of it, and please correct me, is that Canada is definitely, compared to the OECD and our American neighbors, we're definitely on the lower end in terms of... We're the third lowest. Oh, so you, and that the the people like the French, the Belgians are paying over a hundred dollars per citizen, and the the British. So is that in fact my my memory of this chart? I saw a few days ago. Is that in fact true, Dennis? You have something here. Yeah, BBC funding is a hundred dollars per person. Norway, the public broadcaster gets a hundred and sixty-two dollars a person. In uh, Canada, the CBC gets. Thirty-four dollars a person, so uh, we're right. way down there compared uh, with other the BBC countries. BBC give value for money too. Well, the BBC is—is is it still the blue ribbon news organization of the world? Uh, well, according to programming I've seen and their international programming, I think they do absolutely quality stuff in terms of um, um, certainly uh, plays, uh, music. Yeah, and, and they're in how many languages? Uh, dozens. So yeah, yeah. Canada has lost its uh, international. Uh, oh, R- RCI. Yeah, yeah. Our, so we're losing out on yeah. telling the world about yeah. Canada uh, because yeah. that was one of the cuts that affected the CBC. Was that during the Harper years? I can't remember. Yeah, it's not too many years ago. I, yeah. I used to do yeah. interviews with them, and all of a sudden they're yeah, gone. gone. So. Another site I had a look at is a blog called CBC Exposed. And uh, you can go to www.cbcexposed.blogspot.com and uh, just read, I'll just read some of their criticism. The CBC continues to operate a wasteful, in a wasteful, biased manner, serving the socialist left-wing mandate while, while continuing to lose viewers and advertising revenue. Scandals continue. An unsettling Ugly anti-Semitic movement has grown in the CBC News operation. History experts will know that this troubling bias can have a devastating result for our country. Act now. Contact your MP, PMO's office and the CBC to fight this frightening socialist anti-Semitic driven bias now. What is the name of that site? 
this is called CBC Exposed, and they post each day. I, I pulled some of their material. It, um, the, the, the charges, unfortunately, don't seem to be backed up with much research, but their message is clear. Wake up. What does it take for real change at the CBC? You. Our blog contains a link to the politician's info uh, for your uh, you to make your voice heard. Act now and contact your MPP, cabinet minister, etc. Cabinet or the prime minister. Tell them to stop wasting your money on a biased, failing media service and sell the CBC. Well, <laughs> I mean, there no, there's no name to that? There's no no name of an organization or an individual? I, I did not explore it in depth, but it is called CBC Exposed, Exposed.blogpot. Yeah. Yeah. They're not willing to stand publicly by. Well, right. Yeah. All right. Uh, So with that, uh, I come to uh, one of the last, and this was an interesting piece produced or run by the Toronto Sun. Now, the Toronto Sun has a place on the political spectrum, and we know where it stands. Post, and so I'm reading from an article by Mark Dunn. This is from 2012. Post-media columnist and CBC contributor Mark, or Andrew Coyne argued the state broadcaster is no longer necessary in a multi-channel digital universe and that all taxpayers are paying for something the majority don't want, watch, or listen to. Coyne told an overwhelmingly CBC-friendly crowd that today's viewers and listeners have a menu of pay-as-you-go options to suit every taste, high or low, broad or narrow, that don't rely on scarce public funds. As a bare minimum, then, I would put the PBC, the CBC on pay. It could still be a public broadcaster, but one funded by its audience rather than taxpayers. If the viewers are devoted as claimed, they should be happy to pay. Well, <laughs> well really... What we have to put this in context is whether we want our democracy to survive and be vibrant. What's happened in the U.S. is a real wake-up call. When you allow big money interests to control uh, the media, and here we're talking about increasingly the digital media, the social media, which has been captured by big uh, moneyed interests and the Russians <laughs> and the Israelis – then you end up with a completely skewered uh, political system where ordinary people uh, don't have a chance to hear their views expressed or reflected. And uh, we'll end up with media that in Canada's case will be completely foreign dominated yes. and dominated by big money interests, which generally are very right wing. So we need, I mean... I think we need a variety of views. We need a mix. But if you don't have strong public broadcasting, CBC, but also public radio like uh, Trent Radio and uh, TVO and other uh, public uh, broadcasters, then you're going to end up with not much of a mix. And we will all be the poor for it. And our democracy will suffer greatly as a result because citizens will not be informed about key issues. They won't have the information they need to make smart political choices. And uh, the country as a whole uh, will be much the worse as a result. Thank you, Dara. Yes, Dennis is completely right there. I think one of the things that's important is that not all journalism should be hidden behind paywalls of various kinds. Once you have 
a situation where they're hidden behind pay, <clears throat> excuse me paywalls, such as the Globe and Mail, the type of readership completely changes, and I've noticed that the type of writing in the Globe and Mail has changed at the same time. Secondly, we need to have something that the average person in the street can listen to and read, etc., etc. And the third point that I'd like to make is that I'm really becoming concerned that a lot of Canadians know a lot more about how the American political system works. They don't understand how their own political system works. And this becomes a major problem at election time. Oh, well, amen. What Andrew Cohen um, is actually suggesting then um, is that the people in um, remote regions, outlying areas, uh, would not receive um, CBC coverage because um, paper use, you know, would make it inaccessible uh, to many people, uh, people in a lower income bracket, for instance. And uh, this uh, sort of contradicts the whole purpose of the CBC's existence, which is to be a national broadcaster. And of course, I would add too, though, I mean, Andrew would argue that uh, the same sort of probably applied to the, uh, the national health system. So, um, you know, uh, would people agree with that? Dennis? No, I think uh, we need a mixed economy in Canada, but we need a much better mix. Uh, <laughs> we need... <laughs> we need... You know, we all benefit. We actually, as Canadians, most average Canadians get a way more in public services value for your money than the taxes they pay. Yes. So really, we're getting a good deal, whether it's health or CBC or um, you know, the roads and schools and education. Yep. Um, average Canadians get back a way more and... Pensions for seniors. I mean, we, if we did no have personal agendas here, pension plan and our seniors benefits, yeah, yeah. Uh, most of us would be in the poor house. Sure. And, uh, you know, sure. we contribute, yes, but we actually get back a way more than we pay in our taxes. Dara. Actually, we pay in our taxes an awful lot that is preventative. And we have to keep that in mind, that by educating our children in schools, taking care of them when they're small, um, they have things like the CBC that they can watch and the wonderful children's programming on TVO, for example. We are bringing our children up to be more resilient, a little bit smarter than they might have been, um, certainly more able to be employed when they're older, perhaps more able to acquire a higher education than they might otherwise have been. So and when Dennis citizens. says, yeah, <laughs> and when you say that we're getting a bang for our buck, we certainly are when you look at it that way. Um, and, uh, you know, conservative commentators are always uh, uh, maintaining that, um, you know, it's it's our taxpayer dollars and our taxes are being taken from us and used by the government for these services. When in fact, uh, as Dennis has mentioned, we're getting tremendous value for the the money that is 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 coming from us as taxpayers, and it, which is our responsibility as citizens in any country to be paying taxes so that we can have the kind of services that we benefit from and enjoy and need here in Canada. And I think, you know, the arguments put forward by uh, commentators like Cohen ignore the fact that um, it's it's not that taxes are being taken from us, which is always 
you know, that argument, rather that the services that we are receiving for the taxes that we should be paying anyway. Mark, you've got one more point. Yeah, I just want to finish, if I may finish just on this one comment, and that was when the CBC was founded, I believe way back in the 1930s, it was an act of political will and had a national consensus, and it was all about preserving our cultural sovereignty, and I think that is now more important than ever before. Indeed, and on that note, uh, well, thank you so much, Dennis Howlett, Dara Kennedy, and, and Mark Finnan for, for coming by and uh, sharing your, your thoughts about the media in Canada, the CBC in particular. We will see how this one plays out. I should mention in closing that Mark, Dennis, and Dara are all members of Friends of Canadian Broadcasting. You can find out more about their campaign their interest in the general election uh, at www.wechoose.ca. That's www.wechoose.ca. You can order lawn signs. You find there's petitions there. You can find out more about that campaign.